Personally, I love hiking through the woods. There's just something about getting that fresh air and just connecting with the trees and nature around you that just makes me feel so energized. But it seems not everybody has a positive connection with nature. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours to help keep this show going. Joining me today is my good friend Celestial Noor. If you enjoy his voice and want to check out more scary stories narrated by him, the link to do so will be in the top of the description. Anyways, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Hi Swamp Dweller, my name is Sam and I live in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas. I have lived here all my life and I've been hunting in these mountains since I was a boy with my father. I'm also a heavy believer in the supernatural and in cryptids. Dogmen, Bigfoot, Skimwalkers, and Wendigos have gotten me intrigued by the superstitious. But here in Arkansas, we have a legend, and I'm sure you have heard of the legend here. And let me tell you, this legend is very real. This is my encounter with the infamous Ozark Howler. It was a cold, misty night in the mountains of the Ozark landscape. My father and I were gathering some firewood for the family. We lived in a cabin that we built ourselves with my dad being brought up in these mountains by my grandfather and his by my great-grandfather. Our family consisted of my stepmother and my two younger siblings. I was the oldest of my two siblings. I am currently 21 years old and own a couple of firearms. We hunt with an 1870 antique Winchester repeater and a Krag Jorgensen rifle or more known as the bolt-action rifle that was passed down by my grandfather and was used to hunt game back when trapping was a big thing in the States. Now, we use these weapons as a token of our appreciation to our ancestors. I also use a standard hunting knife and a crossbow whenever I go hunting. We go out hunting fairly often, and we have not seen much this past winter. We would see the occasional bear or the occasional mountain lion, but not many deer this season which was odd as they are abundant in these mountains. While we are gathering some firewood outside, we heard a howl in the distance. I have heard these howls before, and I mostly just assumed that it was some coyote, a fox, or maybe just some sort of cougar. It was also much colder than normal this night, and as we were chopping the firewood, my father looked at me with sweat dripping down his face. He said, How's it going over there, champ? I responded with, Just fine, Dad. It's a lot colder than normal tonight. What do you say we go hunting for the game soon? The kids are probably hungry. He responded with a resounding, Yes, I think we should. We don't want to keep the family waiting. So we went inside the cabin to gather our weapons. I took my Winchester repeater and my crossbow, and my dad took his Craig Jorgensen rifle and his pump-action shotgun. We let my stepmother know that we were going to go hunting, and then we set off into the cold, wintry night. We decided to take a trail that was all too familiar to us to see if we could catch ourselves a big buck or doe, which would be lucky for us tonight. I was walking through the snow listening closely to anything that could be lurking in the woods. 
Luckily, it was a clear night and the moon was full, so I could see ahead of me for some distance. In these mountains, we had all sorts of encounters ranging from bison to cougars, but this time, it felt different. The woods were eerily quiet. I felt like something was watching me from the tree line. All I could hear was the beating of my heartbeat and the sounds of our footsteps in the snow. And then we heard it. A loud, eerie howl that made my blood run cold. I tried to focus on where the sound came from. I looked at my father, and he seemed to be on edge. I asked him, what do you think that was? He responded with, I don't know, son, but I think we should keep it quiet and see if we can down a deer for dinner. I noticed his hands were trembling with fright, but it was a good sight to see that he wanted to keep on going. So, I went along with him. You see, my dad is fearless, and he is quite a strong man. From what I know, no one would want to mess with him, and to see him want to continue our hunt was a good sign. I kept on listening closely to the sounds that surrounded us. As the forest became alive again, I heard something to our left, and up ahead, I saw a deer come into the clearing. It was a buck with a genuinely nice set of antlers. He seemed to not notice us yet. I quickly but very quietly got my crossbow out because I did not want to frighten the deer. I loaded the crossbow up, took aim at the heart of the big buck, and I fired. I saw it pierce through the skin of the buck as he tried to run away with the arrow stuck in his heart. We followed the blood trail to the now injured deer. It was letting out cries of pain. I took out my hunting knife and with an act of mercy put it out. After that, we heard something to the right of us. I looked down into the tree line to see if anything was there, and I heard a low, deep, guttural growl. I froze in fear. Whatever it was sounded intimidating, but it was odd as in Arkansas, the largest animals around here were bison or bears. Whatever this thing was did not sound like any predator that hunts in this region. My dad picked up the carcass of the dead deer and put it on his shoulders. He signaled me to follow him. As we were making our way back to the cabin, I kept hearing footsteps follow us every few meters. I kept looking around to see if I could catch a glimpse of whatever it was, and then I saw it. To the left of me, I saw a huge shape moving slowly by us. It was gigantic. It looked like a grizzly bear to me, but it was odd to see anything this big in these woods. I signaled my dad to take a look. He turned around and saw it as well and said quietly to me, Stay close to me. As long as we stay quiet and move quickly, we'll be okay. I responded with a head nod and we started to sneak our way back to the cabin. We got back to the cabin in about 15 minutes, breaking a record. Both my dad and I were on edge as we moved back to the cabin. All we heard was the occasional growling and howl, and we knew it was the creature. It seemed to be taunting us. As we moved into the clearing near the cabin, I heard a booming set of footsteps behind me. I looked back to see the same creature, except this time I could see it clearly. It looked like a grizzly bear, but with horns and eyes glowing a bright crimson blood red. My dad and I screamed as we ran back to the cabin. We made it back just in time to close the door, as whatever the creature was knocked on the door with brute force. My dad started panicking, putting the deer down and rushing the kids and my stepmother upstairs. I kept on hearing this creature scratch at the door and every so often try to break it down. It roared so loud that my ears started ringing. 
It is desperately trying to break down the door. I decided I was going to try and scare it off with all the might that I had. I went upstairs to my bedroom window, opened it up, and got my Winchester ready. I got the massive beast in my sights as I fired at it. After I hit it, it let out a roar and ran back into the woods with the earth shaking behind its every step. Everything went quiet again after this. I ran downstairs and looked outside to see nothing but large footprints in the snow. I opened the door and looked at the damage the creature caused, and all I saw were huge scratch marks. I then went to the footprints left by the creature, and to my surprise, there was no blood, even though I am sure I shot it. After this event, I researched more into our history and found out that whatever my dad and I saw was more known as the Ozark Howler. Occasionally, we hear its howl at night, but my dad and I have learned to respect the beast. My uncle was a sheriff's deputy and search and rescue officer in the Northwest United States back in the 1990s. This experience is told from my uncle's view, with a few explanations from myself. He asked that I keep the location hidden for anonymity purposes. So it was the summer of 1992. I was a couple of years into my job with the county sheriff's office. Summers were busy. A ton of people would go camping up here, so naturally people would occasionally get lost. SNR was something I was voluntold to do as a Ricky, but I learned to love it. Helping people, especially in life or death situations, was the reason I became a deputy. So SNR gave me that rush, as my normal law enforcement duties were almost always mundane in my small town. Anyway, here we go. We received a call from a lady in Arizona one Tuesday morning. She claimed that her husband and young grandson had driven up here on Friday for a weekend camping trip. They hadn't returned Monday as scheduled, and she was worried that they were lost. So we geared up the SNR team consisting of myself, four other deputies, 15 civilian volunteers, and two bloodhound SNR dogs. We made it to their campsite around noon. Upon first inspection, everything in the camp seemed relatively normal. We searched their tent and found all their belongings sitting inside. Truck keys, wallets, map, water, food, all sat in the tent undisturbed. A small pot filled with water and now extra soggy macaroni noodles sat above a long dead fire pit. It was obvious they had left in a hurry. No tracks were visible to determine what direction they went. So we used a pair of socks we found inside the tent as a base smell for the hounds. They caught the scent and started leading us north of the campsite. As we walked, I looked at my partner and we both shook and lowered our heads. North of their campsite was tens of thousands of acres of dense woods. We knew this was going to be a long search. As we searched, we used a grid pattern. A grid pattern is roughly an acre-sized square on a map that SNR used to determine a more precise direction that someone might have gone. The weirdest part was that the hounds would pick up their scent in one square, but not in any of the squares directly next to that square. 
This happened multiple times. It was as if someone plucked these guys up from their campsites and then placed them in random sections of the forest repeatedly. I began to get a very bad feeling after this. Something just didn't seem right about this situation. The team had covered roughly three miles of this area as the day started to wind down. As dusk began to hit, it was just myself, my buddy Rob, and his hound, Russ, that stayed behind. The rest of the team made their way back home and would be back out tomorrow morning. I always stayed out overnight when a child was lost. I had a feeling of guilt being in a warm, safe bed while a child was cold and scared out in the wilderness. We eventually found a small clearing to make camp. By the time night fell, we had a fire blazing and our sleeping bags laid out on the grass. Rob and I went over the next day's search plan for a bit, ate dinner, and eventually hunkered down for the evening. I laid out on my sleeping bag and quickly dozed off. I woke up sometime later. I sat up and looked around as my eyes began to adjust to the darkness. I felt like someone was watching me. The urge to look around to ensure no one was sneaking up on me was intense. I called out, Hello? Sam? Frank? Is that you? We're looking for you. Are you there? I didn't hear any response, so I laid down and tried to fall back to sleep. Just a few minutes later, I heard it. Somewhere to my left, past the tree line, came a loud wolf whistle. Uncle does the whistle. A wolf whistle is a whistle you hear in movies or TV when a man sees a very attractive woman. I sprang up out of my sleeping bag and began frantically scanning the tree line. At this point, Russ was up too. His ears were peaked and he was whining in the direction of the whistle. I called out again. Hello? I'm a deputy with the sheriff's office. Do you need help? Sam, Frank. I received no response. Rob was awake now, and as I was explaining the situation, the whistle came again. Uncle whistles, but this time to our right. I drew my sidearm and I flicked on my flashlight as Rob took out a large buck knife and stood beside me. We scanned the tree line, but we didn't see anything. We continued to scan the tree line and calling out for another 10 minutes before we decided to get the fire going again and wait until dawn to search the area. We didn't hear another whistle for the remainder of the early morning. As dawn broke, Rob and I searched the area. We found two pairs of boot print and a fresh mud. We decided to head back home and get some rest, and return later in the day to continue searching. We were only about 200 feet from the clearing when two simultaneous wolf whistles came from behind us. As I turned, I scanned the trees. I didn't see anything at first, but as I looked farther back towards the entrance of the clearing, I saw two silhouettes standing out in the open. We couldn't see any features or clothing as the morning sun was blinding us. I called out and started to make my way towards them when they took off running. I was going to chase them when Rob stopped me. I was puzzled. I said, Rob, what? We're looking for two people and there they are. Stop wasting time. He replied with, stop and think for a second. 
We're looking for one male adult and one male child. Unless that kid is the next Randy Brower, there is no way he's that tall at age 11. That's when realization hit me. He was right. Those two silhouettes were obviously not the people we were searching for. If I was alone or with another deputy, I would have chased them. But I wasn't willing to put a civilian volunteer in danger. We decided to just continue our way back to the trailhead and debrief the team and sheriffs on the events that had transpired. The rest of the hike back to the trailhead was uneventful. We met up with the search team and the sheriff when we arrived, as they were getting geared up to head back out. We received a few scoffs and eye rolls when retelling the events that occurred, but the sheriff surprisingly believed our claims. He even had one of the deputies carry an M16 for the remainder of the search. We continued our search for 13 days, never finding the two missing individuals. A few people claimed they heard wolf whistles while out searching, but I never did again. This mission still haunts me. I've wondered all those years what happened to those two, and if the two silhouettes had something to do with their disappearance. Hey Swamp Folk, sorry to interrupt this video, but this video has been sponsored by my good friends at Green Chef. Now, as many of you may know, the show has been sponsored for quite a while, by HelloFresh. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh and has a wider array of meal plans to choose from. I absolutely love jumping between HelloFresh and Green Chef. Now, while HelloFresh is awesome and has been great for me, I love to be able to jump over to those paleo meal plans that Green Chef has, and I think you'll enjoy them too. Green Chef is the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. You can enjoy clean ingredients you can trust seasonally sourced for peak freshness. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped. So you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meal. I just started using Green Chef recently and I'm loving the paleo diet. It's definitely been helping me out when it comes to my workout routine. Go to greenchef.com slash 90swamped and use code 90SWAMPED to get $90 off, including free shipping. Go to greenchef.com slash 90SWAMPED and use code 90SWAMPED to get $90 off and free shipping. Now, back to the stories. Hello, everyone. Thanks for giving my cryptid horror story a listen. Now, before we start, I am a 20-year-old kid who lives in the mountains of northern Colorado. Now this story is from 2012. So back in 2012, I was staying with my grandparents. They live on a property deep in the woods in the Rocky Mountains. So I was staying with them for a week and a half, and everything was going fine until one Friday night. So after my grandma made me and my grandpa dinner, the time was around 8 o'clock. The time will be important later. After we were all done with dinner, my grandparents were tired and said they were going to go to bed. So after they went to bed, I stayed up playing video games until about 1 in the morning. I was tired and ready to go to sleep myself. Then right before I was about to get in bed, I heard scratching noises on the outside of the house. They were ear-piercing. I had to cover my ears. It was like nails on a chalkboard. I was terrified, considering that we lived in the middle of nowhere. I decided that it might just be the tree scraping against the house, though. So trying to brush it off... I decided to try and just get some sleep. Then I woke up again at around 3am because it sounded like someone or something was struggling to open the front door. 
Now mind you, living in the middle of a forest, I immediately jumped out the bed and ran straight to the closet to grab my grandfather's 12-gauge shotgun. I opened the closest door and grabbed the shotgun and loaded it. I slowly walked towards the front door. What I saw haunts me to this very day. I saw a creature that was at least 7 feet tall, covered in long shaggy hair, and when it turned around, there were two large white glowing eyes staring right at me. It's like they were piercing through my soul. I shot at the thing, and when I did, it released the most horrific and blood-curdling scream I had ever heard in my entire life. This thing ran on two feet into the deep, dark woods. Now after hearing the shot, my grandparents ran to see what the hell was happening. When I saw them coming to me, I dropped the gun and ran to my grandfather's arms and hugged him tight. My grandfather called the police. About 45 minutes later, the sheriff deputies arrived and started to question us. When we told the deputies what had happened, they said that they would check around the property and see if they saw anything. They did a check and they said that there was nothing around, and to call them again if we saw anything. After that sighting, I considered it to be a Bigfoot. I never saw that creature again. Thanks for reading my story, and I hope everyone in the swamp enjoyed it. This story began with me, my two cousins who I'll call Keith and Sean, and my friend who I will call Carl, hearing about this weird house out in the woods. We were all curious about this house, so we decided to go and check it out one day. We arrived at around 9pm. Carl thought it would be funny to jump out and scare us while we were waiting for him. While my cousins were yelling at him for scaring them, I could swear I saw something moving around the edge of the woods. I just told myself it was a deer since I live in Pennsylvania, and we have almost way too many of them here. Carl tapped me on the shoulder and asked what I was looking at. I told him it was nothing and that we should start heading into the woods now. We all grabbed our flashlights and headed in. Now I have always been the type of kid to wander into any set of forest and enjoy the peace, but while we were walking, I felt nervous because there were no sounds, not even crickets were chirping. I should have seen that as a red flag at the time, but I did not want to be called out as a wimp or a scaredy cat. After a bit of walking, I heard a strange noise about 50 feet away. It was almost like a small dog's high-pitched bark, but it sounded weird. It was like a person making the noise. I thought nothing of it, telling myself it was probably just some sort of like sick coyote maybe. We could finally see the house up ahead of us. It was very run down and it looked like it was on the verge of collapsing at any moment. It was about two stories tall and had a small porch and above the porch were some windows with what seemed to be plywood covering them from the inside. We looked for other ways in and found an iron basement door. After some arguing and a vote, it was decided that I would open it up. As soon as I opened it, I was blasted with an awful smell. It smelled like a dumpster mixed in with rotting flesh. After forcing myself to not puke, I brought out my flashlight and shined it only to find what resembled a deer corpse. I mean, it looked like it was a deer, but I could not tell because it was so mangled and rotten. Sean and Keith were busy throwing up and Carl was standing behind me covering his mouth and nose. I could swear I could hear a strange gurgling noise coming from inside the basement. But I said screw that and slammed the doors hard enough to shake the ground around us. 
We started to book it out of the woods, and I could hear that same bark-like noise, only it was coming closer and closer now. It was easily ten feet away from us. I could hear leaves crunching behind me, but I did not dare to look behind me at all. I could see Carl was already getting in his car. Keith and Sean were right by ours. We all got in, and when I slammed my door shut, there was a huge thud not even a second later. I yelled at Keith to start the car, and we sped the hell out of there. While leaving, I looked back to see a disturbing sight. It was a deer that had an almost human-looking face, and it was smiling from ear to ear. Then it started running back into the woods. It looked so unnatural. When I got home, I did not tell my parents about what happened, because they would never believe me. All of us kept what happened a secret in fear of being called lunatics or liars. Since then, I have never gone near those same patch of woods, though. I swear, I can hear that strange bark noise coming down my street sometimes. Maybe it's PTSD, or maybe that thing is coming for me. I grew up in a small farm town with a population of less than 150 people. I will not name drop the town for obvious reasons, and even if I did, you wouldn't find anything to write home about. There's a caution light and several abandoned buildings, a barely functional gas station that will grossly overcharge you, and that is about it. You can go for another half mile or so in any direction, and you will officially be outside of the city limits. Though, there are dozens of people who live in these heavily wooded farmlands that call the town home, simply because it's the closest thing in shouting distance. Though, that would be akin to saying that Mars was within shouting distance of Earth. I have had a few experiences in these woods that I simply cannot fully explain. I can describe them, and I will, but I cannot offer my scientific explanation for them. I know that tales of wendigos and skimwalkers and other natural forest demon spooks are popular, but wendigos are a creature that belong to the tribal legends of tribes centered around the Great Lakes region of the northern United States, Wisconsin, Michigan, etc., and into the eastern coast of Canada. Skimwalkers are pretty much exclusively tied to the Navajo religion and Navajo grounds, which are in the deserts of the far west of the United States. Keep that in mind as you read this. I first noticed this presence when I was around 12 years old. Playing in the woods was really the only pastime I had available to me outside of playing video games, but video games got old rather quickly when you had no friends around. I was an only child, and there were not very many children in the area to play with, so exploring the woods was a good outlet for my imagination. Prior to my first real experience, the spookiest thing in the woods around here would have been a venomous snake. Even then, the snakes we have are not likely to kill you unless you are seriously neglecting the wound or have an allergic reaction. Aside from them, the largest predators we have are coyotes, which are mostly afraid of humans. And the rare cougar that happens to be passing through, which is so infrequent that it's not really a worry. So the first day in question was a normal summer day. I was out hiking, collecting rocks, building forts out of sticks, you know, the standard things a 12-year-old boy does. It was about sundown, and I was not quite ready to head home yet, when I noticed something was off. During the summer in North Carolina, the woods are anything but quiet. You have a cacophony of sounds. Cicadas, crickets, frogs, birds, 
there's a whole chorus of wildlife that all wants to be heard. Heck, you may even get the occasional coyote pack howling or a bobcat screaming. The point of this is that the woods are a far from quiet place. And sudden silence in the woods in these times is not an accident. But that is precisely what I noticed. All the noises had stopped. I could hear the wind between the mixture of old growth and pines. And I could hear the distant babbling of a creek. But that was about it. This was strange to me. But at the time, I did not realize what an ill omen it was, in and of itself. I remember thinking that the water sounded peaceful and walking deeper into the woods to listen to it better. As I did, though, I began to get this overwhelming sense of foreboding. It was not the standard I feel like I'm being watched. No, I did not feel any eyes on me or feel like I was being followed or any of those standard paranoias. No, this was like... Have you ever stayed at a party, you know, too long? You know, you got there at 9, now it's 2 a.m., and suddenly you realize that you don't know anyone who is still there. You also did not see this new guy come in, but he is glaring at you, and come to think about it, so was the girl in the kitchen. You have overstayed your welcome, and it's probably time to go. You know, that whole kind of thing. That is exactly what it felt like. Even if I lacked the metaphor to express it at the time, the air itself felt heavy. Everything in my mind and body was screaming at me that I needed to leave and get out of there, that this place was not mine anymore. It had been fine in the morning hours, but now, this was the domain of someone or something else. And I was not a welcome guest. I remember feeling as if the trees were warning me, leave or else. So that's what I did. Initially, I walked, but by the time the sun had begun its descent and the sky had begun to darken in the twilight, I was jogging. I never broke into a full-on sprint. I do not know why, but I felt showing too much fear was a bad idea. Eventually, I made it back to the road and looked back to the woods. I did not see anything, but that is when the feeling of being watched really set in. I felt that there were eyes just beyond the tree line and out of sight. They were staring right back at me. I went home and pushed the experience out of my mind as best as I could. From then on, I made it a point to always be out of the woods by dark or to have a firearm with me if I was going to be staying past dark. I should note that there were several times that I wound up in the woods at dusk, but did not have this feeling return. I'm just confused because there were not any special circumstances that seemed to summon this. Just, at some point, things were completely fine, and then at a flip of a switch, everything went down the drain. I all but sprinted for civilization. I did not have any overt experiences, however, until years later. I do not know what the catalyst was, but the activity ramped up dramatically in a year's span. The first experience was in October of 2018, and since then, the woods have gone from home for the occasional unsettling experience to a place of actual danger and terror. I went camping with some college friends of mine during the October in question. In total, there were just three of us, and we were mostly roughing it. We had a tent, but we chopped our own firewood and all that jazz. We camped deep in the woods. It was dark by the time we were fully set up and had finished cooking. We ate, and then we proceeded to get very drunk. I don't know how much we drank, as we were just sipping out of the handle of vodka and passing it around the campfire as we talked about everything from ghost stories to more tangible fears in our lives, such as our dating lives and the prospect of post-graduation plans. This went on well into the night, 
with the stories growing more nonsensical and the laughter growing louder as the bottle grew lighter. By 1.30am or so, it had grown deathly cold. I decided that it was a night for me and that I was going to get into my sleeping bag and knock out. The other two were not ready to sleep yet, and one of my friends, we will call him Frank, decided he wanted to smoke a cigarette. Meanwhile, the other friend, we will call him Tim, decided that this was a good time for him to go climb a large rock about 70 or so yards away from the tent. Frank begrudgingly goes to supervise him while he finishes off his cigarette. So they are both a good 70, maybe even 80 yards away from the tent. I am now in my sleeping bag and trying to fall asleep, and I can hear them laughing and talking. They are obviously far away. It is right at this time that something heavy slams into the side of the tent, like heavy enough that I am surprised the tent did not collapse. I didn't move at all. I was drunk, but not too drunk. I wasn't drunk to the point that I wouldn't realize whatever was out there did not stop by to borrow a cup of sugar. That sense of dread filled me at once. Even though I had my shotgun with me, I could not bring myself to reach for it. I felt staying still was a safer approach. I heard something breathing. It was not human breathing, though. This was loud and weirdly wet sounding. It was not sniffing or anything just like that. It was just deeply breathing, if that makes sense. This only went on for maybe 10 seconds. And all at once, as quickly as it came, it was gone. No footsteps, no banging on the tent, no gradual decline in breathing, nothing. It was just gone. Frank and Tim had never seen that it was there, let alone what it might have been. It is honestly probably best that they did not. They stayed up a while longer before turning in. I woke up first and stepped out to see if there were any footprints. To my dismay, there were not. But there was something more ominous. The entire clearing we were camping in now had scattered throughout the grass and early morning forest circles of bone. Not large bones, no but crushed up and arranged bones of small creatures, like rabbits or a small bird maybe. I would assume we were in a predator's hunting ground, save for the fact that the bones were artfully arranged in circles, all the same sizes and with equal spacing. I woke Tim up and Frank. We packed up and left immediately. This last experience is the most recent and the most intense. There was a meteor shower not too long ago, and I returned to the clearing where my friends and I went camping to observe it, as there is extraordinarily little light pollution there. It was stellar, and I loved every second of it, but I was not out there long when my dog, I brought him with me, he is good company, started acting strange. He had pinned his ears back while laying down, and was now staring very intently at the tree line. He was not barking or growling, he was silent and just watching. It was strange, but I assumed he had caught wind of a deer or another prey animal, and he was on the hunt, though he was far too lazy to go chase it. After a moment, a nearby coyote howled. I felt a wave of relief as my dog's behavior was beginning to make me uneasy. He was just tense because of the coyote, and it would pass. There was something wrong, though. First, coyotes hunt in packs. It is extremely uncommon for a solo coyote to hunt and howl like this. Second, my dog had begun to whimper, now, and was shying back to the edge of the truck as though he were afraid. The coyote was drawn closer, it seemed. My brain began connecting a lot of the dots. The woods were silent, and that feeling had returned. 
I was in the same spot as the last encounter, and then I registered the sounds of the branches breaking. Coyotes are not heavy enough to do that, I thought anyway. And the second I did, as though whatever was out there had waited for me to realize it, the coyote stopped pretending to be one. Or at least, I don't know. It stopped howling. It then erupted into the most horrible sound I have ever heard. The coyote was laughing. It was not a hyena sort of laugh, though. This was garbled, mangled. It was just a mess of a sound. It sounded like an animal trying to mimic into a poor impersonation of human laughter. It was like it was on a loop that was just not quite right, and after every fourth laugh, it would just repeat itself. It was rapidly growing louder over the sound of the breaking branches. I frantically jumped up, grabbed my dog, and fumbled for my truck keys to get the heck out of there. As I tried to get my keys and my door open, the laugh stopped only for this guttural and deep scream to resound from the forest. I say deep to emphasize that it was not a bobcat or a fox. They have high-pitched sounds. This was very low. It had the same pitch as, say, a roar, but it was in that same horribly botched nonsense that the laugh was in. Of course, the laughter resumed immediately, but as I got in my truck and turned the lights on, dead silence. In a moment of stupid bravado and curiosity, I turned my truck towards the tree line before I left to shine my lights and see if I saw anything. Between the trees, I saw what seemed to be a man. He was of average height and wearing a white t-shirt and what I assumed to be blue jeans. Though I could not see a face or arms or anything of that nature, just his silhouette and his clothes, in hindsight, I think he only was a silhouette. I blinked and he was gone. That is my story. I do not know what is in the backwoods of North Carolina. I don't think I want to know, and it is probably best you do not try to find out. It does not seem too welcoming to strangers. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, and stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories today, be sure to hit that like button as it helps the swamp out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this show a 5-star rating as it helps me out a ton over there. It's greatly appreciated. Much love and appreciation to my friend, Celestial Noor, who helped me read story number 2 today. If you enjoy his voice, please check out his channel. You can find a link to do so in the description. Give him a subscribe and let him know you came from the swamp. I really appreciated his help today. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium and want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories wherever you go, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. If you guys would like to support the swamp outside of hitting that like button and giving us a 5-star rating, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, face masks, hoodies, and much more. I'd really appreciate that, and I'd love to see you guys in some swamp threads.
Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.